You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. Yeah, so I bring all this stuff up, and I ask you the question about what did you build, um, because today we're going to be talking about building. Um, you guys, I've mentioned this so many times. I am not a builder. I, I have to build things. You guys are currently sitting on a floor I built. We pray for you every week. <laughs> um, a lot of the stuff in here you see had my handiwork on it, which is why it's all crooked. And Jake, thankfully, has come around and cleaned up most of it, actually. Um, yeah, and there were some scary moments. I mean, even like building this wall, both me and Colby were working on it. Yikes. Yeah, that, thing, that thing's going to set on fire if anything. So, uh, yeah, I'm not a builder. I have had lots of building experience. My dad was a carpenter. My dad worked in, uh, my dad worked in, I mean, not only is he a carpenter, but he, he worked in construction for a while. Um, of course, then he became a firefighter and now builds like, uh, or used to build like, uh, fire systems to suppress nuclear fires as an engineer. I'm a pretty smart guy. And he glows because he works in nuclear power plants. But um, I have built lots, lots of things. Some of the things I've built, I've built in Mexico. Anybody ever build anything in Mexico? There's two of you. Is it a different way of building in Mexico? It's a terrifying yeah. way. Terrible. Why, Jake? Why is it terrifying? Because you just do it. And you're like, what? Because you swing the welder with the electrode across the rafters to get it to the guy on the other side of the building. Yeah, because you're swinging around things. You're swinging around welding sticks. You're, yeah, okay. So, like, I, I, I was in Mexico. I was telling these guys this story, and we had to weld some rebar because they built everything out of concrete, right? And so there's a friend of mine tying rebar, and he's twisting all these little things. And they're like, no, 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 we're just going to weld this. So somebody get the welder, and then they like... They whistled to this guy, and this little guy, his name is Paco. Paco comes running out, and he's like, "Okay!" And he grabs the, he grabs these two, these two hooks, and he shimmies up a light pole because they need power for the welder. And he sticks the two things on the power cables barehanded, right? Like no harness, no nut, just and then boop, puts it on there and powers up Direct 220 right from the power lines with his bare hands and then shimmies down. He's like, okay! And then we just, everybody starts welding, right? Wildest thing I've ever seen in my entire life because I know what can happen in my dad. I know what can happen when you touch those things. That's not very good. Um, but, you know, going down there, it helps, you, it helps you realize something. And I'll share this story. and Some of you have heard it before. Uh, one time, and this is something I do do, is uh, one time I was doing plastering and texturing and stuff like that inside of a church building that was all cement block structure. And I'm, I'm doing all this structure, uh, or not this structure, I'm doing all this uh, stuccoing, all this texturing. I'm texturing around the whole thing, and all of a sudden I get this, this image in my head, and I talk to the pastor. I'm like, Pastor, can I put... Can I like bury this really beautiful cross like on the wall here and then texture around it? So it's just this, you know, this really, this really cool little thing that's a focal point for your church, you know? Otherwise it's gonna look like a brick building. And he goes, I don't know, we'll talk about it. And, and whatever, okay, so I kept going and now I'm getting closer to the place where I could put this cross. I'm like, Pastor, can I please put this cross in there? It's just going to be beautiful. I drew it out for him, you know, like, uh, like this is what it's going to look like. We can light it, and it's going to be really, really cool. And he's like, eh, you know, that sounds like a really good idea, but we'll think about it. I'll get back to you. And I keep coming around, and finally I'm at the point where, like, it's absolute time. I'm like, Pastor Paco, I have to be able to do this. I have to be able to do this. Please let me do this. I mean, this is just going to be beautiful. This is your last chance. And he says, no, we do not want the cross in here. I said, whoa, what's up with that? 
And finally, he pulled me aside and he said, uh, we don't we don't put the cross inside of our Christian churches because we live in a culture where people think the cross is a voodoo is, is something to be used in voodoo circles. And all of a sudden, right there, I went, oh, wait a minute. So I thought I had the best idea how to build this church. But the guy who was here actually did have the best idea how to build it. What, what, what made sense to me didn't make sense to them and their culture. And I, all of a sudden I realized, like, maybe there is somebody who knows how to build this place better than I do. Today, in the Bible, we're going to look at this. Paul's going to bring this up about how do we build what we call, uh, and Max said it a couple times, kingdom building, building the kingdom, um, or building the church, or whatever. First of all, um, well, no, I'll get to that in a little bit. I'm not going to jump ahead. Uh, but we've been walking through the book of 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible, um, please grab one. There's some underneath the chairs. Uh, but we're going to read from 1 Corinthians. We're going to read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today. Um, we're going to read about building the temple of the Holy Spirit is what Paul's going to talk about. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Uh, we're going to clear out some of the weeds of some of the bad ideas we have in our culture that Paul is getting at here. And I think these things are going to help you feel a little bit freer as to what it means to be a part of the Church of Jesus Christ. Like, what does that mean? And this is a really, really important, in my estimation, a really, 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 really important perspective shift that we as Americans need. And so there's going to be some things that I might step on your toes a little bit. I apologize for that in advance, but honestly, I don't care. And uh, we're going to... Oh, actually, I do care. I don't like offending people. But uh, but I will say the things that need to be said in this and uh, and hopefully challenge you into a couple of different things. So uh, we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 3 just to introduce it. Uh, the book of 1 Corinthians is a letter from Paul to the church at Corinth. It is not his first letter. In fact, we believe that it's probably his second. And the second Corinthians is probably the fourth letter of Paul. And so there's some correspondence that are going on here. But 1 Corinthians is a letter to the church in Corinth. Corinth is a place that is um, it's on the Mediterranean Sea. It, ha- it has two different ports. It's kind of a peninsula, right? And there's two different ports. So there's a lot of trade coming in and out of here. And the way we would say this is if you've ever uh, been a part of a port town, there's double the sailors and scallywags coming into this place. And so there's a, it's a very affluent place. It's very, very powerful. It's got lots of money. And so people are very, very selfish in this culture. It's very close to what we would see in our culture, actually. Uh, most theologians kind of liken it to Vegas as far as a Vegas lifestyle. People are there for a good time and then they're there to get out. Okay, there's actually a temple there, temple to Dionysus, uh, excuse me, Temple to Aphrodite, and um, and there's a lot of really weird stuff going on there that we'll talk about later in the in this book as it goes on because Paul hints at that. Um, but this this culture has been really shifted by the culture around it, and and the church is growing up in that culture, and this is why Paul is writing, and the church is kind of dividing, it's kind of splitting. Um, people are getting angry at each other, but here's what he says. It says, brothers, this is chapter 3, verse 1. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for still you were still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what, after all, is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. 
I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Okay, there's a little shift there. We're going to talk about that in just a second. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. For each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If a man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will come to bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Holy Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present age, or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is of God. That's the end of the chapter. Now, it can get a little confusing, this chapter, so we're going to kind of unpack this just a little bit. Uh, what Paul starts off with here is actually a really, really interesting section, right? He's talking about, I follow Paul, Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas. These people, what they're doing is they're getting angry and bickering about who is the best teacher, who is the best leader, who's the best church builder, who's the best one to follow, who's the best theologian, who's the best at these things, and they're going, I follow all of the best, so therefore I am the best. We talked about that a few weeks ago, and this is going to continue on a little bit more and more. But what then Paul kicks over into a metaphor. Now, this is a beautiful part about this book, and I'm going to geek out just a little bit. This is a kind of a Bible nerd moment here. I love this passage because what you can see is you can see Paul, he's trying to get his brain kind of back to the message at hand, and and what you're seeing is you're actually seeing his personality. I think it's even up on the screen. A, A good missionary uses the things around them. He meets you where you're at and uses the things around you, the things you understand, to communicate the things that you don't understand. This is like teaching 101 or communication 101. We utilize the things that you understand, the things that you have experienced to engage with you and then bring into light a new truth. And Paul does this through metaphor. And it's really, really cool, actually, what he starts off with is he starts off with a metaphor about farming. Now, the funny thing is, is like I think what happens here is he realizes he's talking to city folk. Because then he switches from the, the farming metaphor into a building metaphor. And, and it's not that the metaphors are different. They're actually the same metaphor. They're, they're showing something different. But Paul is talking to people who are not necessarily those who are out farming. They, they could be. They could be coming in. But generally speaking, these are city folk. And Paul's talking to city folk here. And so he's acting like a good missionary, taking something that these people know and showing them the truth of Jesus. And this is what we would call finding Jesus in the shadow. You're pointing to what is not there in order to show the reality of what is there. So Paul takes this metaphor, and what he starts off with is he starts talking about that we are a building. We are a building. You and I are a building. What does that mean, Paul? He talks about us being a temple. 
a specific type of building. The temple of the Holy Spirit, in, in, in fact. And so this is the part where we need a little bit of historical explanation. What is a temple? Well, a temple is a building that exists for a few different reasons. It's a building that exists primarily. Its primary reason is to declare the glory and the power and the beauty of the God that is inside of it. It is a place where you walked up to this temple, and if you've seen some pictures of these things in uh, in Greece and in Rome, you, you walk up to this building, and this building towers above everything, and it's up on what they call an agora, or excuse me, up on an acropolis. It's up on the top of a of a mountain, and you're, everybody can see it, and and it's this beautiful thing, this huge thing that declares to you the glory of this God. And in fact, as you're walking up to these temples, and you're walking up the stairway, there's these huge pillars and a giant roof, and it's like 20 million times bigger than anybody's house you've ever seen and you're going wow this is a powerful god and they open the doors to this thing and there's this huge and everything opens up and then there's activity inside with all of the priestly activities and we're going to talk about some of the other activities because they're um, definitely very adult-esque activities that are happening in this temple and there's stuff that's going on inside of here, all this action and all this activity. And, and this is the stuff that's supposed to be, not only is this God powerful, but there are people in here who are ministering between people and God. That's what a temple is. It's just, a, just the idea of a temple. And there are many examples of these temples. In fact, everywhere you went in this empire, in the Roman Empire of Paul's day, everywhere you went had a temple. Everywhere you went had a temple. And they were all big and shiny, and some of them had different types of pillars, and some of them had different types of roofs, and some of them had different types of colonnades. That's the hallway that you walk through. And all of them were positioned in such a way that they were there to declare the bigness of the God that rested inside. There's a good example is if you do some research on the temple of Ephesus to the goddess Artemis. This actually appears in the New Testament text in Acts. This, this was one of the most, one of the world famous, most world famous, uh, temples of all time. And the, the deity, the god, the, the idol that was in there was overlaid with gold and the doors were overlaid with gold and they were, it was positioned in such a way that the sun, as it rose, would shine its way in to the temple and reflect itself off of the temple, the image that was in there. And there would be this glow that would come out of the temple. And so people from miles around, much like a lighthouse, would be, would be bringing in their ships and walking up in there with their carts or walking up with their feet and they'd be looking up at this hill and there's this temple to this goddess and it's glowing with power. And that was the intent of that temple, was to display the power and the beauty of the god Artemis, goddess Artemis. It was so high up you could see it for miles. Now, Paul, here, has the audacity to say this. You, y'all, thank you Max for being here. Y'all. Y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think you can catch the correlation. Y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You guys, look at the person next to you and just, just give them a weird glance. That's fine. It's okay. Awkward. Make it awkward. Good. Thank you. You and the person sitting next to you, and yeah, everybody's giggling now. It's like, we made it real awkward. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, okay, so you and that person that you just made an awkward glance at, you guys are connected and built together to rise up and show the entirety of the world as they approach God Almighty, the beauty and the power and the glory of the Holy Spirit that dwells within. You feel that way? 
I say Paul has the audacity because I don't know if Paul's ever met a human (laughs) when I read this. Do we make real good temples sometimes? Do we make real good temples sometimes? And often we find ourselves, um, if you read Ephesians, Paul uses the same metaphor, often we find ourselves trying to rip the temple apart, split apart and build our own little denominational temples. What Paul is getting at, getting at is that in us is where people can come to meet God, to ask for direction, to ask for help on living a life that, that works and brings health. Temples, that's their other purpose. Their other purpose is to declare to the world around them, like this God can get it done in your life. In fact, if you see God, if you see these temples and there's all these beautiful, beautiful uh, pieces of art and these these inlays of precious wood and precious stone and everything's built beautifully and everything's declaring this beauty of this God or goddess, it also declares how much how worthy they are of sacrifice because somebody had to place that there. And that's what Paul is also talking about in us. He says, "Man, you were you were bought at such a great sacrifice." You were bought at the very cost of God's own Son and built into a temple that declares the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, then he turns over in in verses 10 through 11 to kind of this commanding statement about telling us to build the church. You, hey, you guys, you guys build the church. Now, here's where we're going to clear out some clutter, okay? I'm going to, this is some stuff that uh, I'm just going to talk about because we might need to weed some stuff out of our language. First of all, the kingdom of God is already built. We don't build it. Jesus says, don't come, he doesn't come build a kingdom. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's built, it's done, it's revealed, it's coming. We get to participate in the rule of the kingdom. We don't get to build the kingdom. Okay? So, when you go sing that song, build your kingdom here. It's already built, man. It's already built. <laughs> you can just say that. Just harumph in the back and be like, nope, it's already built. Not singing that song. <laughs> just kidding, it's a good song. It's okay. <laughs> but also, we don't build the church. You don't build the church. Who's who's building the church? Jesus builds the church. According to Jesus' words, right? Peter, you have said something true, and on this rock, I will build my church. Because if we build the church, what's going to happen? It's going to get wonky. Here's a good reason why it's going to get wonky. The word church comes from, uh, it's it's a German word, kirk, Germanic word, kirk. It's one of the worst translated words in all the Bible. The word church that we get in the Bible should always, it is always, ekklesia. or Yeah, ekklesia. It's a Greek word for the gathering. It's a Greek word for the gathering. It's an assembly. That's, that's this. It's this. People gathered together. People built together. People mortared together. Temp- temple pieces stuck together. That's what this is, is people gathered together. The word kirk, we, we have one out in the hills. It's the, how do you say it? Yeah, but how do you say the one on the hills? That one. Yeah, yeah, Ray's trying to be Germans. Not working. So, um, yeah, it's fine. It's because he's been in America too long. Um, but, yeah, the Stavkirk, right? Okay, a kirk is literally the word church. We, we get that word from it. And for some reason, we've left it in the Scripture, and, or at least in our translations of the Scripture. And the word kirk is the word for house of God. Now, what's the difference between the gathering and the house of God? One is a building. One is a people. And I think even just in those words, right? Like, 
hey, I'm going to go down to church. I'm going to go down to the house of God. Does God dwell in houses made by human hands according to the Scripture? Absolutely not. Does He dwell in you? Yeah. In a very real, very powerful way. Very real, very powerful way. So we're clearing out some of the clutter, right? This is an issue that is actually really, really different because what we're doing is we're kind of pushing into this idea of God's space versus our space, right? Like like as if when we come here, this is God's house, so this is a special space, versus when we go out there and walk up the stairs, that's a blah place, right? That's like, oh, God's not there, God's here. That's actually could be further from the truth biblically, right? Because what happens is, where is God? He is here, He is dwelling inside of us, and as we leave this place and we gather together, where is He? Guess what? He's out there. And in fact, most there's many churches that, I don't know when this started, but it's super kitschy and maybe we should do it because it is true, where they place a sign above the, above the exit door that says, you are now entering your mission field. I would say actually you are now entering God's space. Right? You going out there as God's people to bring God's space, God's temple with you in order to declare the glory of the Holy Spirit so that you can draw people to God as you live your life out. Faithful and relying on Him. So Paul says a few things, right? And he he clarifies like how how are we to participate in this building of the temple of the Holy Spirit? How are we to how are we to participate if we don't build? What do we actually do? And so here's what he says. So he says, you know what? There is no other foundation other than Jesus. The temple has to rest on Jesus. The foundation has been built. The foundation has been laid. Paul has worked really tirelessly to make sure that it's on Jesus. So make sure that you build and sit and rest and strengthen everything on Jesus. And here's where we're at, right? So if we're here to build the church or to to, to strengthen the church on some fancy program like refuge groups, which is awesome. Or if we're here to, you know, brag about our awesome building with all of its concrete that Max has been studying and it terrifies him. If we're here to, to rest and rely and, and, and keep the, try to strengthen the church on our fancy plans of church planting or our multiplication ministries or whatever we want to talk about, if we're doing this on our self-reliance and self-exaltation, then no matter how cool you look and no matter how strong you look, you're actually building a place of destruction if it's not on Jesus. And some of you have been in places, I have been in places, where it has built the, 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 the church, the ecclesia, the gathering, has been built on something other than Jesus and its destruction. I, I've, I've felt that. In fact, do I have enough time? Sure. My, my camp story. Um, some of you guys raised your hand, you gave camp stories. Um, when I was 14, 14, I went to a camp called Centrifuge. Isn't that an awesome word for a camp? Centrifuge. You've been there, huh? It's a Southern Baptist camp. So they're all over the place. Yep, Centrifuge, Southern Baptist camp. They uh, they exist everywhere. And so I went to Centrifuge, and uh, and I was into some stuff that was like starting to take my life over. And I I went to uh, you know some just some really bad life choices. Uh, and I went to my youth pastor who was there, and I said, you know, I need, I desperately need help. Like I need prayer. I need some somehow to get out of these life circumstances, these choices that I'm making that are destroying me, these friend groups that I have that are that are killing me, these 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 
substances that I'm abusing that are killing me. Like, I need help with that. And my youth pastor listened and he listened and he listened. And he said, okay, Brian, I'll help you. And the help that he gave was he went and, uh, and told the senior pastor what was going on. And I had a crush on the senior pastor's daughter. I'm sure that kind of helped some things. And, um, and my parents and the senior pastor didn't see eye to eye. And next thing you know, I was dragged up on the stage in order to confess all my sin in front of 200 people without being prepped. A 14-year-old boy standing up here saying, here are the lists of your sins. Admit it or leave. Okay. That was a powerful camp experience. Here's why. I vowed from that day forward to never be in a weird church again. (laughs) And here I find myself. God has a funny way of working. Actually, it it has changed me. The way that I see ministry is completely different because of this this youth pastor. And he he didn't mean anything bad. He was actually looking for help. Like, how do I handle all this stuff? And there's just circumstances that turned into like a really difficult thing for me. And it pushed me away from the church for years. I went running away from Jesus so hard I ran into my wife while she was running away from Jesus. But God used that experience to bring me into a place where I had this deep relationship with Him because Jesus is creative. If we don't, if we build it on like moral uh, goodness and a list of do's and don'ts, if we build our church, if we build this group of people, or if we build the gathering on like a whole list of do's and don'ts, and and we we build it on a lifestyle and turning out cookie cutter widget Christians, that's garbage, man, and it is going to destroy people. So let's not do that. I think Paul's getting at that, but he also says. We are supposed to place the church. We're supposed to be concerned with its strength by utilizing a beautiful and variety of materials. A beautiful and variety of materials. He actually gets at this in the chapter where he says, uh, he says, uh, where did it go? Um, oh, there it is. If any man builds on this foundation using gold or silver or costly stones or wood or hay or straw, that stuff will be revealed. Now, sometimes we can get distracted because wood, hay, and straw, we start to think three little pigs. That's not what he's getting at, just so you know. Paul didn't write three little pigs. It wasn't part of the King James Bible, which is what Paul used. I'm just kidding, that's all really historically inaccurate. <laughs> but it's not that, right? Wood, hay, straw. Can you make beautiful things out of wood? You ever do that? Yeah, absolutely. Is that done in a temple? Yeah, absolutely. Hay and straw are used to make brick, are used to make stone, or used to make mortar. Right? He's talking about if you build and you build with a variety of materials, it's going to be found out what you build with. It's going to be found out the quality that you build it with. But here's the deal. What he does focus on is that there will be different materials. Some silver, some gold, some precious stones, some precious uh, jewels, and some things that are going to be beautiful, and some things that are going to be wood and hay and concrete and mortar. Not exactly beautiful concrete and mortar. Now this is what I love, because who is he talking about? He's talking about you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are gold and silver. You're shimmery and you're shiny and you're beautiful. But some of you are mortar. And you're sticky. And you're gross. But you get the job done and you hold people together. And some of you are bricks. Kind of square. (laughs) And you're kind of tough. And we can, we, if we're not careful, we can break you. But you are the ones who hold everything up. And some of you are 
I mean, you name it, right? Like, we can go on and on and on. Some of you are the beautiful wood that needs to be chiseled and sanded off, because apart from that, you ain't going to look real pretty, right? Like, there's a lot of ways you can go with this. And the beautiful thing is what Paul's saying is recognize those differences. Some of you are centerpieces. Everybody's going to pay attention to you. Some of you are foundation pieces and nobody's going to pay attention to you. But tell you what, when we recognize that and we link together, what's going to stand? The temple. What's going to stand is the temple. It means you don't have to be all the same. You don't have to be all bricks. You don't have to be all beautiful jewels. Our job is to be linked together by our differences, seeing the beauty of God's palette of creation in, his, in the personalities He's given us. And then the last thing He says in 21 through 23 is, you've actually been given tools. Now, you might not see this, but here it is, the end here. So that no more boasting about men, right? You're talking about using the wrong tools. He says, all things are yours. Gets done talking about building this whole thing by by he gets talk about strengthening it. He's talking about strengthening this church, and he says, "So that no more boasting about men. All things are yours. These are the tools you're given. Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, or the world, or life or death, or the present or the future. All these things are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God." You build with the best tools that you are given, and you are given leaders. You're given Paul, Apollos, Cephas. You're given people who are your servants who are going to be here kicking you in the teeth and equipping you for the work of the ministry. You're going to have pastors. You're going to have elders. You're going to have teachers. You're going to have youth pastors who kick you in the teeth sometimes. You're going to have these things. But you don't just have that as a tool to strengthen the church. You also have the entire world. You have every culture at your disposal. Could you imagine a, ch- a church? Could you imagine a gathering where there is no predominant culture? Where there is every culture represented? Could you imagine that? I can't. I struggle to imagine that. Imagine being able to say, hey, just pray in, pray in your native language. I mean, just pray in, in however you were brought up. And so there's people praying in Tagalog and people praying in Spanish and people praying in other languages that I can't think of right now. But there's people praying in all these different... And you get to see this beautiful thing as God has put together all these different works and all these different cultures, right? Just a beautiful thing. Can you imagine that? And then how good of a tool it is to say, look at how God has built us differently, but we all love Jesus the same. And then the last thing He gives you as a tool is life and death and the present and the future, right? Like that's the, the depth of your story. Like what is your life? Where is your fears? Where is the, where's the sting of death been creeping after you? Where are your dreams? Where are your hopes? Where are your present? Where is your future? Who are you? What is your story? And remember, there are going to be times in this series where we're going to have people share their stories. I just love that. It's so powerful where we can see how God works the same in vastly different ways. But as we live life together, resting on those who teach, but applying the teacher to our culture and experience the life of faith and discipleship together, that's how you build the temple along with Christ. That's how you partner with Him as His building materials in order to declare the glory of the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing we see here is that Paul hints at this, that Jesus is our foreman. And one day the foreman will come to inspect what's been built. He will come to inspect all of the pieces and all the things and all the materials that were used. And He'll do that through fire, which, I mean, if you read the Bible, every time you see fire, it ain't good. Like This isn't one of those like, ooh, nice warm one. 
this is like, he's, there's going to be some trial, there's going to be some difficulty, and as he squeezes you, the juice that comes out is what will be left. As he squeezes and pushes and, and rests, this fire rests on the temple, what's left and not burned up is there for his glory and his honor. So I simply have a question for you to close this all out. Are you, are you, are you of the mindset of participating with building the temple of the Holy Spirit? Or are you an observer? I'll leave that with you. You can just wrestle with that. Are you here just to admire the temple? Or are you here joining with Jesus as he builds the temple, just as Paul's commanding here? Are you aware of the peace that you are and the way that you fit interlocked into the church? Or are you busy being a a peace that bounces from place to place to place to place to place, creating holes everywhere you go? Where are you at? Where are you at? I would encourage you to step on board, like step alongside of Jesus as He builds the temple of the Holy Spirit. Join a refuge group. We name them fancy things, but all it is a bunch of people getting together trying to figure out if they're a brick or if they're uh, or if they're mortar. And that's actually the deal with these refuge groups. The whole intent of them is to is to mortar us, to link us together, to stick us together. Maybe you want to give your testimony, your story. Maybe that's what you're thinking right now. Man, I'd really like to give my story of how Jesus has worked in my life. Come talk to me about that. I'll gladly put you on the schedule. We have these prayer nights that we're offering. Come come to this place, not to come and observe, but to come and pray for your world and pray for your family and pray for your friends. Get involved. Get involved and step alongside of Jesus as He builds the temple of the Holy Spirit, as He builds the gathering of the people. And I tell you, you will never, ever regret it. After that horrible youth pastor incident, um, which again is not his fault, but after that horrible youth pastor incident, and I ran away from Jesus for so, so, so many years and ran into nothing but destruction. What Jesus slapped me with was this very thing. You're running around, Brian. So he, man, I'll, I'll t- I could tell you the whole story, but this is, what, this is what I take away after years of sifting through this. You're running around, fooling around, not being a part of the temple that you were originally supposed to be a part of. You're running around creating destruction. Knock it off and come and follow me. And my only response was, no matter how far, no matter what the cost, no matter how stupid the decision looks, I will come after you. And just like Max talked about, sometimes God brings you, every time, God brought me to a place where it was like, are you sure? Because this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I tell you what, when you step into participation with Jesus Christ as He builds His temple, He will take you on this incredible journey and it will be, it will make no sense to you and it will be hard and it will be difficult and it will rip you to shreds and it will it'll hurt you and it will give you scars for all of eternity. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. And those scars declare the glory of God to the entirety of the world. So, are you ready to get on board? If you need to know how, please ask. I'd be happy to pray through that with you. We're going to pray. We're going to have Matt come up and lead us in a song. And this is a moment of response. I don't know if we teach this enough. Like, singing, this singing thing, this isn't just like, oh, all right, great music, time to dance, or not. 
this is a moment for you to respond in prayer. Uh, Augustine said way early on that to, pr- uh, to sing once is to pray twice. It's the same exact, same exact heart, just a different activity, a different mode. This is a musical prayer. And we're asked Matt to come up and lead us in a musical prayer as we commit our lives to Jesus and to the things He has for us. And I just want to say one more time, if you're one foot in, one foot out, just please knock it off. <laughs> and come on, me with, come, come on a journey with me. Come on a journey with me with both feet in. Lord Jesus, we... Um, I don't know what you're doing inside of the hearts of my friends here. I've learned <laughs> this week and many, many, many times over a lesson that I guess I never learned. I, mean, I keep having to learn it, obviously, Lord, but I've learned that I can't predict you. I can't put down a better blueprint for my life than you have already. I can't put down a better blueprint for this church than you have already. I can't put down a better blueprint for the church globally than you have already. I can't put down all these better plans than you. I can't outthink you. I can't outwork you. I can't outshine you. And uh, it's not my place. So I repent of that, lay it down, as happens all the time, and just say no matter how far, no matter what the cost, no matter how stupid the decision looks, I will follow you with all of my heart. I pray for my friends here that they would do the same thing. That they would say no matter how far, no matter what the cost, no matter how stupid the decision looks, in my eyes I will follow you where you lead me to go. And I pray that you would work in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.